Welcome to the Money Talks for Beginners podcast. My name is Frankie Hill, a money nerd. Each week, you'll hear me talk about different ways to use money more effectively in your daily life to become a smarter finance person. Thanks for spending your time with me today. Now, let's talk about money. Welcome to the 11th episode of Money Talks for Beginners. Today, we are going to talk about how to use fundamental analysis to identify stocks to buy. As last episode, we talked about what are fundamental analysis and technical analysis. And we also talk about briefly how to use them. This episode, we are going to talk about how to use fundamental analysis for your stock picking by talking about obviously uh, how to use them in a step-to-step process for both growth and value stocks. Also, just to let you guys know, I use a more of a top-down approach where I look at the worldwide economy uh, or environment first, then after look at specific industries, and then lastly, uh, individual stocks. If you want to refresh your mind what is the top-down approach and the down-top approach, uh, please go back to episode 10 for fundamental analysis versus technical analysis for money talks for beginners. So step one, worldwide economy. So first thing we want to look at is what is the current trend in the economic health of the global economy, your own country's economy, and the countries you want to invest in. Well, how are they like right now? What is the current trend and economic health for them? So for example, we all know that uh, COVID-19 in 2020 and in 2021, for some countries like India and Canada, um, COVID-19 obviously came and a lot of uh, other countries also at the same time experience strong economic and financial stress on everyone on both on the individuals and the businesses and in all the countries alike where a lot of people obviously experience uh, job loss and a lot of business end up closing down because of the loss of profits and also because of job loss creating a very um, vicious cycle where People lose uh, lose job or people that have jobs are not willing to spend, causing the profit margin obviously for a lot of business to go down. And when that happens, it just repeats and then people get laid off. And then more people are more afraid and then at the same time, essentially creating this cycle, we just, um, as I mentioned before. So what does the government do? So a lot of people and a lot of government is um, essentially um, in order to prevent an even deeper recession or possibly leading to a depression for their own countries. Uh, A lot of countries decided to essentially do QE or very similar to quantitative easing uh, in uh, 2008. They also printed a lot of money to give to people both in needs and people not in needs in order to attempt to encourage people to go out to spend more and essentially to hopefully boost the economy to prevent Uh, further damages to their overall economy for for their own countries and for I guess for worldwide hopefully as each country improves it can improve the worldwide economy and because obviously nowadays the global economy economy is pretty much worldwide right so it's not it's it's all globalized and no longer one country it doesn't really help very much and a lot of countries uh, do other type of stimulus Uh, package or ideas like reducing lending requirements, uh, reducing interest rates, to encourage more borrowing um, and to reduce interest expenses for uh, burdens for businesses and for both new and existing businesses in order order to hopefully maintain 
um, people having jobs and to hopefully create new jobs at the same time. So overall, when the government essentially issue gov- some government checks to give to people that both in needs and not in needs, and lowering rec- lending requirements and reducing interest rate, um, pretty much a, it's like a pretty much like a stimulus package. Is this a really a good thing? Uh, overall, I think it's a good thing because when the COVID-19 first hit, uh, the unemployment rate went up like crazy. The amount of people uh, obviously looking for jobs uh, is a lot, even though it's a very narrow sector, mostly in an entertainment tourism area, but there's still a lot of people being employed there. We have to, uh, so we have to make sure we find ways to support the economy and support the citizens that's living in your own respective countries of course you don't want them to starve so and when that usually happens when unemployment usually is high and a lot of people have no choice um crime rate tends to go up because as people get more desperate they think of different ideas that they usually don't think of so uh, i think it's a good idea that um government issue government checks for these people which is a form of quantitative easing essentially just printing money to give to people to spend. So overall, I think it's a good idea um, to do that. And also it helps support struggling businesses too, as people starting to have more confidence about uh, spending more money as the government gives out free money. So for people who obviously they'll have a job who doesn't really need the government checks, when they receive their money too, they might be able to spend more too because they know it's just like extra, for extra money and it's free money. So they're more willing to spend that money. When that happens, it, it should hopefully provide the necessary support for the businesses to also stay in business and to keep their employees employed too. So overall, it's a good thing. But what about the people essentially, as I mentioned before, that don't need the money and just got the free money? Well, they're free to do whatever they want with the money. So what does most people do with the government checks? If um, So most people, they'll obviously spend on purchases, so they buy more stuff. Um, things that they usually don't have the money or additional money to buy, but because of the government checks, they can now buy. It. So that's sweet for them. And some other, some people would choose to use the money to pay off some debts, like student debts, auto loans, uh, some, some part of their mortgages. Some people choose to save it in their just in the bank account, um, making very, very, very low returns. I don't know why people do that with the reduced interest rate. It's pretty much is way lower than inflation so it's pretty much losing uh, purchasing power but some people still feel it's safer just to save it in the bank accounts and lastly some people choose to invest it into the stock market and real estate market as they have more money than before uh, to do uh, some sort of investments and some people even went above that because of the lower interest rate and the reduction or i guess having less barriers to borrow more money some people borrow more money to invest around this time, which is pretty much like a leverage trader or leverage investor dream. So, uh, how you know how like a lot of uh, real estate investors they have a down payment, and then nowadays they have even less requirement to um, in order to meet the requirement to borrow money to invest into real estate and then sell it out. So hence, you see a lot of real estate price in the U.S. and in Canada. Canada has been pretty high. The last really the last 70 years by now so there's nothing new really going on in uh canada especially in toronto and in bc yeah, it's been going on for seven years now about so if you were a smart investor like myself <laughs> you would have started investing your money as soon as your own country's government announced any sort of stimulus package in order to support both i guess their own citizens and uh, businesses and essentially help people 
uh, out in a sense, and that whole f- that actually encourages people to buy, to use the money to buy more real assets like stocks and real estate, as there are more money chasing these type of assets than ever before, because as the, your own country or as guess the worldwide start printing more money, the value of the money. Uh, depreciates. It was worth less and less and less. So how how people combat that is by buying actual real uh, assets that has value. So stocks that represent actually the company and real estate. Obviously, it's the property you're buying. So you would have noticed that uh, your con- that this is happening if you actually stay up to date by reading your own country's news or international news for uh, seeing what's happening with the worldwide. You can also check out a lot of different types of investment slash finance websites to, um, in order to look at what is happening with the stock price and the real estate price. I guess the real estate will be you'll be looking at your own country's uh, real estate websites or real uh, realtors uh, websites. They'll tell you what is happening with the real estate property value, and essentially you can decide what uh, is it going up, is it going down, is it going sideways, but. What I've seen in North America, uh, especially in Canada and in U.S., um, real estate prices has been going up at a much faster pace than inflation. Stock price, and mostly in the U.S., has been going up a double digit annually for the last 10 to 15 years now. Canada is a bit slower; it's around seven to eight percent on average, but it's still going up above more than six percent, and obviously a lot better than the two percent, and a lot better than a lot of the. Uh, fixed deposits, which is like GICs, and just putting money in a saving account, making like less than 0.5 to or 1% at the current moment, doesn't make a lot of sense to put in there. But people still decide to do that. That's but that's your choice. So that's the first step I, I looked at. I make sure I analyze what's happening with the worldwide economy. Look at uh, what's happening with the countries I'm, I'm investing into, and of course my own countries too, just to see. If I would be negatively affected in terms of my employment or my business and stuff like that,、uh, the second step I will look at is the industry industry itself. So after we analyze the stimulus package and all the monetary and fiscal policies that the government issued, we will、uh, we will look at what are the、uh, some of the other things that is happening within the industries. So depending on the current trend, the economic and political condition of Just as I mentioned before, the worldwide economy and your own country's unemployment rates, the political stance, and other major factors, it can of course affect your own country's fiscal and monetary policies, and as a result, it will affect which industries benefit most from it. Usually, when the worldwide economy are in a poor or I guess very poor、uh, health condition, most governments will find ways to improve their own country's economy. And create new jobs by issuing something called stimulus package,、uh, which is just mentioned. These indus- industries that usually benefit from、uh, the reductions、um, of, I guess,、uh, lower uh, interest rates, in- lowering、uh, lending requirement, issuing new printed money into the economy, or more like currencies, and essentially any other、uh, stimulus package in.、Uh, Poor to deflationary, which is what happened in COVID time, economic conditions. The industries that benefit the most are high-growth stocks, especially tech and speculative stocks. So, speculative stocks essentially, most of these stocks are in the tech sector, but they're not really making any money yet. Most of them have very negative、um, 
earnings per share. Don't know why um, people, some of the people invest into some of these companies. Uh, what essentially happened in 2020 is there was so much money chasing so few stocks uh, or stocks in general. Pretty much everything went up. So that's essentially why during uh, 2020, uh, that environment I just described where there's this uh, new money being injected, reduce, uh, low interest rates, low lending requirements, and dur- it's during a poor economic conditions. There's obviously no concern about inflation. A lot of the high growth, especially the techs and the speculative stocks, went up like crazy. It's like very quick. Um, so essentially, a lot of these companies went up a super super fast pace with a lot of trading volume for them as people got also stayed at home and there's not a lot of stuff to do so they pretty much trade so a lot of the new investors came in and a lot of new investors obviously go towards more of the flashy uh, stocks which was mostly the new uh, innovative destructive technology stocks or companies they usually look at those stuff first even though they have poor fundamentals a lot of them have a really good story so they went up like crazy in 2020 uh, that's the type of industries you should look at if you meet you see any of these things i just mentioned and i guess criterias i just mentioned uh, quite a lot um so some of the in other industries you might want to look at our um, EV companies, so electronic vehicle companies, and essentially other types of, I guess, investments. Because during this time, um, stock market is pretty much in a utopia where pretty much everyone feels like you can do no wrong. Another type of industries or stocks to look at are high quality dividend stocks and ETF as people want to chase yields as the super, super low interest rate pretty much killed all consumer deposits or fixed deposits interest rates or interest returns on their saving accounts and GICs. So people need to find different ways to generate more income slash yield. And of course, uh, physical real estate property uh, went up like crazy too. So these are some of the areas you want to look at um, in terms of what industries to look into. Um, some of the industries a lot of people look into when they're trying to find um, high quality dividend stocks are utility stocks, uh, REITs, which is called real estate income trust. Um, and, and some countries uh, will look into telecommunications. In Canada, the big three telecommunication companies, Rogers, Telus, and Bell are the big three, and they're usually really safe. They pay pay out a fair amount of dividend yield. So a lot of people invest in these companies during these times too, because the yields, or I guess interest rate for, for fixed deposits, is just way too low. So a lot of these, a lot of people invest into these companies too. REITs are essentially close, similar to uh, the physical real estate, but essentially it's more for the corporation and is actually a trust account. We're gonna talk about that in the future. On the opposite spectrum, when the economic environment is becoming inflationary, so the consumer price index index itself that represent inflation is showing above 2% for a couple of reports, a lot of government will start to think about doing the opposite 
when they issue stimulus package so they will reduce money supplies increase interest rates again or at least start talking about increasing interest rate start to think about tightening the lending requirements and they'll do less government spending that's when people start to become more concerned and usually most equities like stocks and real estates in especially in speculative markets starts to cool off a bit as you can see into in this year in 2021 in the u.s when they issued a lot of money um they pretty much gave a lot a lot of money 2020 the stock market went crazy went up like crazy real estate same idea but in 2021 because of the last report that came out for um cpi for that represent inflation or in, inflation itself was like a 4.1 percent even though it was estimated of three point something percent but most government or especially in the developed world want to maintain inflation around two percent so when it's like a four percent it's a cause of concern so the market started to sell off uh, which is obviously a concern for all of us, but we want to still find ways to buy assets that hopefully is more uh, inflation hedged or per has more protection against inflation. So what industries would that be uh, when it's during an inflationary stage where the pretty much the countries, your own countries, government, start to think, think inflation is going to come soon, uh, but they are not out of the woods yet because the economy is still relatively weak, but they know, they know, they think, or they know in about half a year to a year later, they will have to start doing the opposite of what they're doing now. So because people, especially investors, are very sensitive to these kind of things, a lot of them will start planning ahead of time by selling most of their high growth stocks, and especially speculative stocks, which is if you have bought a lot of speculative stocks last year in the US, you will notice a huge sell-off that's going on at the current moment or has already went down like at least 30% for most of these speculative stocks. So some of the stocks in or industries you should look at now in this particular env um, environment are consumer staples as people still need to buy necessary products to live like groceries and utility stocks. But the utility stocks I'm talking about are more like the big diversified utility stocks. As for the first example where you buy high quality dividend stocks, you can buy, you can chase more dividend yield, but they might not be high quality stocks. You have to look for the good quality stocks. And other type of industries, or I guess type of companies you want to look at are strong fundamental companies um, that have a very stable and reliable revenue source and brand. Like you can buy Coca-Cola and Microsoft that has been there since uh, pretty much a long, long, long time. Uh, since when Warren Buffett is, like he was a kid, like bought Coca-Cola. And of course, all of us know Microsoft. And Microsoft is actually very diverse. So it's actually very necessary for, for a lot of business to use Microsoft nowadays because they pretty much integrate with a lot of businesses and they have uh, cloud service and pretty much whatever you can think of, Microsoft will try to find a way to get into, into it as long as it's tech related. So Microsoft makes a very good company to hold during ups and down times. So you can look into buying Microsoft Coca-Cola. It's a bit, the growth is just way too slow. Um, I don't think it's a good idea unless you're thinking of collecting dividends to retire. So this is pretty much some of the things I look at first in terms of step one and step two. Step one, as I mentioned a lot already, the worldwide economy and your own country's 
um, economic conditions and political conditions. You should look into that first. Once you analyze all that stuff by reading the news for your own countries and international news for uh, other countries, you should have a good idea of what is your current trend for your own country and the current trend for the worldwide um, economy. Like think about right now, the trend is essentially le leaning towards uh, more renewable energy source, um, changing um, more of the ways people meet instead before they might you know have meetings by going to an actual physical location because of COVID has sped up the process of where people use um, platforms like Zoom to have virtual meetings instead that will cut down the cost of it they will obviously cut down of use of airlines so we don't have to fly around as much but a lot of the companies like Zoom itself you could see a lot of new newer companies coming in to uh, compete for the market share for that in that area, but that that is the trend going forward. And another less no noticeable trend are telehealth, where people also try to set, set up virtual meetings with um, different doc types of doctors around the world with their patients because of COVID. It also sped up that uh, idea more because during COVID, not a lot of people can physically go to the doctor, if especially if they don't have they know they don't have COVID, but they're just doing their annual checkup obviously they don't want to go to um, the hospital just to do an annual checkup and run into a risk of actually running into someone unfortunately that has covid so a lot of people would be like can we set up a virtual meeting hence this tr trend has also sped up uh, obviously not as strong as compared to the, the first two i just mentioned because it's less noticeable and you know healthcare itself has, tends to change a lot slower because of all the red tapes and uh, it affects people's actual life so it tends to be really slow changing especially in north america like canada uh, so those two things you have to look at after you analyze all this stuff that's when we start going into the individual's company analysis itself so first of all for step three for individual companies you, when you're analyzing all this stuff, you have to think about, are you going to actually buy the individual companies itself or you, are you thinking of just buying the ETFs? So if you're thinking of just buying ETFs, there are of course a lot of different choices out there um, in terms of ETFs. There are ETFs like VOO, QQQ, SPY and other ETFs that can, that are usually will track major indexes or the industries you want to invest in while you have well you having to do all the hard work of finding individual companies and a lot of ETFs has benefited a lot of investors um, for a pretty long time now too so if you don't actually want to analyze a lot of companies you can just analyze ET some of the ETFs um, that are out there and then just buy those ETFs instead if you don't want to pick individual companies. Now if you really want to choose your own company um, then listen continue to listen and then you know hopefully you learn something and then we if you have any comments just let me know. However if you are if you are willing to pick your own individual stocks uh, stocks yeah, there's you can be either greatly rewarded because you would have performed a lot better than the, than the uh, average stock market or you might perform worse than the broad market. 
first of all, depending on the industries and the type of companies you are thinking of investing for your individual stocks,、uh, you might want to change your approach or place more importance on one type of approach compared to the other type of approach. As I mentioned before, there are two types of approach for fundamental analysis. There is the qualitative and the qualita-、uh, quantitative. So, qualitative approach is essentially it's a less tangible approach where you look at the company's、uh, business model, how they generate revenue, their top management,、um, their patents, like copyrights,、um, pretty much other、uh, types of less tangible things, and of course the current trend trends and how it affects it. The quantitative approach is more looking at the hard numbers and the data. To give you an idea, is this a good investment for this type of、uh, company?、Uh, in terms of the industries and type of companies that uses more of a qualitative approach, are companies that doesn't really have a strong financials yet, but they have great future earnings potential. That I guess you can say you, you should place more importance on the qualitative compared to its quantitative because they might not have the best. Looking financials at the moment, or the history is too short in order for you to give give you a good idea should you invest in in this company or not, depending on its quantitative or its hard numbers. Because sometimes it might not have a lot of numbers for you to look at, so you don't really need to do a lot of quantitative. Instead, you'll be focusing more on the qualitative、uh, factors for these type of companies. So these type of companies are mostly like startups. Um, early stage tech companies and companies that are trying to expand really quickly. These type of companies tend to grow at a very rapid pace in terms of revenue. They might be growing at like a 40 or 50 percent、uh, growth rate,、uh, but then their financials doesn't look good at all.、Um, so these are most of these companies are for long-term growth investors, where they focus on more on the qualitative factors. And less on the quantitative factors because the numbers are just super bad. But they have the vision、uh, for the com- for the future for, for these type of companies that can disrupt the company. So some of these companies are also called disruptive、um, companies that could change the future or hopefully can change the future. And if they could, they it will benefit a lot of the long-term growth investors. For instance, Tesla is the best example, where in the early stages of Tesla. They also have really, really bad financial numbers, like negative earnings, lots of debts, not many assets, no established revenue streams yet, and really not much to look at in terms of numbers. So if you focus at、um, looking at the numbers only by using quantitative approach, you will probably never buy Tesla. However, you look at the other factors、um, in terms of its qualitative factors, like Tesla's business model. Uh, where Elon Musk is trying to、uh, re- revolutionize the EV market by being the most, I guess, efficient and productive electronic vehicle out there,、uh, renewable energy and having lithium battery technology, where it's actually Elon Musk follows the current trend, where the global trend is leaning more towards environmentally friendly choices and. Obviously, Elon Musk really caught on to that, and also he has a, a successful business before called SpaceX, and that really helped his brand image in terms of 
um, how to make sure Tesla has a, also a good image going forward. So of course, this really helped the company from a qualitative um, factor that is a good investment to invest into it. So if you look at the last 10 years, the chart for Tesla, there's a lot of ups and downs, which is why if you are using, if you're growth investors or using more of a qualitative approach, um, it's not for the faint of heart, it's more risky, more ups and downs, but the potential return can be a lot uh, more if you just rely more on the qualitative approach compared to this quantitative approach. Um, after that, this type of approach is, requires a lot of uh, convictions into the story and really buy into that story or the person or the company itself. Uh, compare it to the others. On the other hand, companies that are more established uh, in a more stable industry with very strong financial numbers, the um, with a lot of very established revenue streams, you know where they get their money. Then of course you can use more of the qualitative, uh, quantitative approach compared to its qualitative approach as there are a lot of more numbers and data you, you can use in order to determine if the company's uh, perceived real value or called intrinsic value. And a lot of these investors are value, uh, long-term investors where they hopefully they can buy these type of companies, the, these type of mature companies at a much cheaper price compared to what they think the company is worth in order to get a very sizable margin of safety. Margin of safety is just a fancy word of saying if the company they think is worth 10 bucks and they buy, buy five bucks, they know they have a $5 cushion of safety. And essentially if anything goes wrong, they know there's they will still be making money. And a lot of these mature companies, because they're not growing really quickly anymore, they're not even like 20% growth rate most of the time. If you're lucky, you might get 10 to 15. A lot of these companies know that. And in order to make sure people stay invested into the these companies, to them, a lot of them pay a pretty decent uh, dividend yield around four to 6%. Um, the, some of these company, companies are pretty much your day-to-day -day companies they're not very flashy they're not sexy they're not there to uh, innovate or to change anything in their industry they're just really going about their day-to-day -day, uh, process and just to um, meet their, their clients needs think about like your grocery stores your restaurants airlines and hotels these are the companies you think of when you're looking at the more established more stable industries and or companies and some of them have still have really strong financial numbers maybe not the airlines and hotels at the current moment and the restaurants but grocery stores if you look at costco the numbers should be still pretty good and costco obviously is a good long-term value play investment and they're more obviously less risky so as i mentioned before um in terms that's the what type of i guess uh, companies to invest in if you are looking obviously into the quantitative approach let me dive that more, let me dive more into that so in terms of quantitative approach you first of all you want to look at their financial statements so their income statements balance sheets and statement of cash flow so the things you want to look at on i guess the company's income statements are is the company profitable what is the gross profit margin for the company? What are the major expenses for the company? You want to compare the profit margin of the company for the last la last maybe five years, 10 years to see if the company is still uh, growing. Is it still profitable or is it declining? And see and also calculate what is the growth rate? Is it increasing, decreasing? And it, what are what is happening with the other, I guess, 
competitions in the same industry to see uh, what's the industry industry standard to compare is your the con the company you're thinking of investing into are they actually making money or are they actually meeting at least the industry standard uh, and hopefully if there are then that means you might have a decent company to invest into at the moment next when you're looking at balance sheet you want you want to look at what is the percentage of assets they have compared to the liabilities liabilities is usually a fancy word of saying uh, the company's IOUs, which is their debts. Um, another thing you want to look at, you want to look at, does the company have a healthy cash balance so it can meet short-term needs and they don't have any liquidity issues? And what are the company's um, long-term assets and their equities like shareholder equities and retained earnings? And do they pay out a fair amount of dividends? The last thing you want to look at, of course, is actually the most important one is actually the statement of cash flow. You want to look at how does the company finance their companies? Uh, do they issue stocks? Do they issue new debt issuings in order to raise money to do their stuff? Um, are they using the cash in order to expand or are they just using it to pay off debt? And essentially, just really un- want to understand how do, does the company use their money? Because if they use it very conservatively, then the company might not grow, but then they might not have any sort of um, going concern or financial issues you can think of in the distant future. So they might still be there, but they're not growing anymore. They might grow like 5%. And if you're, if you're happy with that and they pay your dividend, that's great. But a lot of people, especially if you're younger, maybe if you, you want to take a bit more of an aggressive approach and and hopefully that actually if you works out you can make a lot more money than compared to investing into a super super low growth rate company even though it's safe because it takes a lot longer to double your money and the whole point of uh, investing is to make sure to have a good risk adjusted return usually of um, eight to nine percent is pretty pretty good pretty reasonable after you finish looking at the financial statements, you want to use something called financial ratios to help you better understand the company. So financial ratios are essentially a, some, a type of tool that people use in, in order to analyze, I guess, companies. They are necessary and are actually more useful than just looking at the company's financial statements, even though they're actually both useful, but financial ratio is just easier to use uh, compared to just looking at the company's financial statements. Uh, Financial ratio can also help you look at different areas. Uh, Of course, uh, financial ratio is also easier to understand because think about it, if you are looking at uh, the entire company's financial statements, which is like 20 or 30 pages minimum, or a fin- one financial ratio which is just one number and if you know how to un- read that financial ratio it's a lot easier and a lot faster to analyze the company and you think about it if you if it takes you 10 to 15 minutes minimum just to go through one year of a company's financial uh, statement or longer than 10 minutes what do you what happens if you're trying to get the average of the last 10 years of the com- company would you spend a couple hours just to analyze um, or to look at all the financial statements just to get an average or you can just use a financial ratio to get the same um, number out of it of course you will pick the easier path so you go so you should understand how to use financial ratios in order for you to 
compare yeah the same the company you 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 think you're investing um, this yearly average, and also it could help you compare with other competitions. Uh, so think about it this way: if you don't use a financial ratio and you are looking into a large cap company, but you are also trying to compare with this small cap company. So the large cap company might have uh, millions and millions uh, of dollars, or millions and millions of numbers. Like the numbers are much bigger compared to the small cap number. The small cap company might have just thousands or a couple thousands.、Um, they're obviously not in the same league, so it's going to be hard for you to compare. It's like comparing apple to oranges, right? However, if you use financial ratios. It's a lot easier to compare the both of the companies that's in the same industry because now you convert all their numbers into financial ratio. So now you're both talking the same language. So now you're actually comparing apples to apples. Now, isn't it easier and better this way? Of course, because it's easier to、um, understand and also analyze which company is doing better. The bigger the company doesn't mean the better the company it is. The bigger the company might mean just that they have started out earlier, and the newer company just starting to trying to get more market cap,、uh, market size, or market share, and they're just trying to grow more. Usually, the smaller cap companies can tend to grow a lot faster because they have a lot more grounds they can to cover essentially. So now, of course, I'm not going to actually use an actual company to help you calculate. How to、uh, to calculate the financial ratios because I don't know what companies you guys are looking into, and it will also make this episode super super long.、Uh, so I don't think that makes sense for us to sit here for you know one to two hours just for me to go over all the financials with you. So instead, I'll just tell you the five types of financial ratios and what they are used for. So the first type of financial ratios people use are called the liquidity ratios, which are used to measure a company's ability to meet its short-term and long-term obligations. The most common type of liquidity ratios are the current ratios, asset、uh, acid, acid test ratio, cash ratio, and operating cash flow ratio. And usually, the higher the number, the better it is for、uh, like these type of liquidity ratio. The second type of ratios is called leverage ratios.、Um, these the leverage ratios are used to measure a company's debt level. The most common leverage ratios include debt ratio, debt to equity, and interest coverage ratio. The third type of ratio is called efficiency ratio, which are used to measure a company's ability to utilize its assets and its resources. The most common efficiency ratios are the assets turnovers, receivable turnovers. And inventory turnover overs ratio. The fourth type of、uh, financial ratio is called the profitability ratio, which is used to measure the company's ability to, well, generate profit. The most common profitable ratio are the gross margin ratio, operating margin ratio, return on assets, and return on equity ratio. The last type of financial ratio are called the market value ratio, and it's the type of ratio that measures the company's stock price, and it is the most commonly used and understood. So the most these ratios include earnings per share, price to earnings ratio, book value per share, and dividend yield. So if you're trying to get the formula for these. Um, ratios. It's actually quite easy. You just go type in financial ratios, and there's a lot of different websites that will show you. That will give you the, the equations for the well, 
these financial ratios for you to look into and hopefully that gives you um, a better idea of what is uh, happening now of course there are a lot of stocks out there and a lot of companies obviously out there too and you don't really want to spend all your time just to narrow down your list so what do you do in order to pretty much narrow down your list to a group of stocks for you to analyze by using the fundamental analysis we just talked about you can go in go to any investment website then click on the stock uh, tab itself when you look at the stock tab itself you or etf if you're looking for etf then you select stock or slash etf screener enter the criteria you're looking for if you're looking for large cap you'll be like oh i want and anything that's above this certain market cap it depends on your countries what is considered large cap different countries might mean different things for instance um, i'm in canada and rbc would be considered a large cap company in um, in Canada, but in US, it might be just considered as a mid, medium to a large medium cap company. So look into what is considered large cap, medium cap, small cap, and micro cap in your own country. And after you do that, you enter, oh, I want a company that has positive earnings, and or maybe you want a company in this specific um, industries and stuff like that. You select all that stuff. You'll, you should clear out all the stocks that you know for sure you are not looking for. And then you can use the same approach, the top-down approach as me, or you can do the top da- uh, down top approach where you look at a company first and then upwards. Um, and then hopefully that you can you know make a good stock list for you to look at before you buy them and hopefully you understand the one that you bought and have a strong conviction story and hopefully some decent to good financial numbers and hopefully we buy it at low enough price for you to pretty much have a good future earning potential for yourself um, that's only some of the things that you obviously can look into obviously for growth investors you are looking more for stocks that have great uh, future earning potentials and for value investors you want to buy at a good uh, margin of safety with a potential moat moat essentially just a competitive edge that keeps other uh, in- competition that's in the same industry or related industry out and then hopefully you can keep your own profit margin and keep going so uh, the obviously that's where some of the areas that differs for value and growth investors another way you can uh, narrow down your list and hopefully give you a better idea what to invest into is while you go to the investment slash finance website click on the industry heat map to select the industries you want to look uh, into first and then you select the companies from within the industry and then do your usual due diligence for your fundamental analysis in order to pick which type of stocks now of course just to remind you uh, fundamental analysis are just used to really identify what companies or slash stocks to buy not when to buy the, the stock the company or the stocks itself that's where we actually go talk about the next episode how to use technical analysis to identify when to buy and when to sell the stocks or the company itself thanks again for listening to money talks for beginners my name is frank hill a money nerd uh, if you are interested uh, or do you want to hear more content about money talks for beginners please consider joining the instagram for money talks for beginners thank you and have a nice day bye